Hi, my name is Jan Wilczek from thewolfsound.com. Welcome to Wolf Talk, a podcast about audio programming. In this podcast, you will learn how to build your career in programming or research related to audio, meet programmers and researchers from all around the world, and learn about the intricacies of sound. Hi everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Wolf Talk podcast. Wow, we made it, we defeated the middle zero in the episode number. We're officially at episode number 10. And it's an awesome opportunity to introduce to you Alexander Talashov, and Jonathan Roden from GPU Audio. They were at the Audio Developers Conference 2022, and I see that their company is really getting more and more recognition throughout the world. And it's really awesome that I got the chance to talk to them and really ask them deeply, you know, about the GPU audio processing. So exactly that's what we'll discuss today. We'll discuss why is processing audio on the GPUs so difficult and why some believe it's even impossible to process sound on the GPU in real time. So their company, GPU Audio, proved otherwise. And we'll talk how their solution really allows people to utilize the power of GPU to process sound in real time. And with this, you also learn a lot about what goes into GPU processing, what are the problems that are involved and how to possibly overcome them and where some people actually fail to overcome these problems. And also we'll mention some resources, some references where you can learn more about this kind of processing. And I'm really grateful for the educational aspect of this podcast. So there is a lot to learn and a lot to be excited about. And when we're speaking of references, all the references mentioned in this podcast episode can be found in the episode notes under dwolfsum.com slash talk 010. Once again, dwolfsum.com slash talk 010. Zero, and it's really awesome to be able to skip the double zero at the beginning. As a final note, if you want to go even deeper and learn more about audio processing, I have a resource just for you. It's my free audio plugin developer checklist. It lists every piece of knowledge that is needed to develop audio plugins. And you can find it at dwolfsound.com slash checklist. As I said, it's completely free dwolfsound.com slash checklist. And now let's process some sound on the GPU. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for agreeing on this talk. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sasha, go ahead. Jonathan. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're a little bit shy today. Uh, so thanks, uh, Jonathan. Uh, Thanks, Jan, for inviting us today here for this podcast. Uh, well, I'm co-founder of GP Audio, one of the guys who co-invented the technology that unlocks your graphics cards for audio processing. Graphics cards, not just uh, inside your laptops and desktops. Graphics cards are everywhere and data centers that powering up web services, uh, embedded GPUs that 
can be used in the automotive industry pretty much everywhere, including the synthesizers. There is just no company that started building uh, synthesizers with GPUs yet, but I hope that we will change that soon as well. And we basically provide a platform to bring next generation products. GPU is extremely powerful, and I'm basically running the company and running the partnerships, running everything here in GPU Audio. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. And you, Jonathan? Yeah, so so my name is Jonathan. Um, I'm also a co-founder of GPU Audio, and I'm acting as a, you know CBDO, CBO, um, bringing in partnerships, running um, you know collaborations and things like that. Um, I come to the company as a professional musician, producer, a lifelong artist. I uh, started playing the saxophone when I was six years old, and I turned that into a career, uh, branched that into the virtual immersive technology industry, uh, where I started a couple of companies before GPU Audio, focused on producing um, next-generation-focused uh, tools and audio assets. And when I discovered what Sasha and Basil and the team were doing, I instantly fell in love with the vision. Um, fell in love with the company, and then I came on as a co-founder a few years ago. And um, since then, it's been it's been quite the ride, bringing this technology out of the shadows into into the light. And um, we're just super grateful for the opportunity to to hang out with you today. Thanks, Jan. Yes, it's my pleasure, and was really psyched to see your presentation at the Audio Developers Conference 2022, and and see you there. Um, I'm just curious, like, could we really go back to the roots? And uh, Sasha, could you maybe tell us what was the uh, the founding of GPU Audio, how it was created, and how it all started? Yeah, the story. Like, there are two false. There is a two false story behind the company itself and then the technology we like basil was the number one guy the first guy who came to me and asked why we can't use gpus to process sound we started 2012 but we typically say we started 2015 uh, because in 2012 we started with the idea of bringing audio processing on gpus as in, in like in a form of the DAW, and we failed <laughs> because it was like another project and it was uh, really hard to bring that uh, you know that uh, kind of software back in the day the GPUs were not ready back in the day then we reworked on the, the idea and we figured out that it will be better for everyone if we build some sort of the engine and the platform and with the time SDK that everyone can actually benefit from uh both businesses users pretty much everyone and to make it in some ways open and b- this is basically what we um, been presented uh, at adc uh 22nd year right and here with today it was a long journey and the entire tech uh you know the technology it solves some fundamental computer science issues that uh you know prevented Uh, audio industry to see GPUs finally unlocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, GPUs are potentially uh, extremely low latent device, extremely powerful device. It's just a little bit tricky and in some ways hard to bring like a classic DSP or machine learning DSPs uh, to real-time audio processing uh, solutions still. And uh, this is basically what we are doing. The entire tech is low level. It is um, it is based on ISA instruction set architecture. It's like you know assembly language level of, of GPUs. We implemented part of the technology on, in assembler for NVIDIA, AMD, 
uh, in some ways for um, uh, for Apple M Silicon GPUs as well. And the rest is just sit on the top. It's like regular C++ code we uh, uh, compile and run uh, through the CUDA and some other uh, frameworks, SDKs and libraries. Okay, very, very cool. So uh, I really then want to ask, because you touched on this, could you tell a little bit why traditionally audio industry was kind of you know scared of processing audio on the gpu and we couldn't see really plugins powered by the gpus which uh, are really powerful and i also was asked from people you know outside of the industry yeah why why don't you do it on gpus so like what would be your answer yeah so the number one problem is uh, if you're a developer, not even GPU developer, like a regular C++ guy and you want to try new stuff, what you typically do, you download some shader language or some frameworks and SDKs like CUDA, OpenCL, some people use OpenGL, etc., and they try things out. The problem with this is that like the SDK example, they don't provide a typical solution for low latency processing. You can like out of the box, you can write a very short program and this program can be run like with a matter of uh, tens or hundreds microseconds. So super win, super easy thing to do. But when it comes to processing the variety of uh, audio algorithms and processing them all together in the real project environment made of those uh, components and products, the, the complexity of this problem like evolves uh, like by, by the order of the magnitude and it's hard to solve that all so you cannot you cannot easily program those things okay there is no straight way you can do this specifically for the audio industry because typically in the audio in the professional audio you work with latencies as low as one millisecond uh, when you do your DSP a classic DSP implementation you have a um, uh, 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 feedback uh, in your algorithms design. If you have a feedback, it's not easy to parallelize or to make a pipeline from the algorithm and uh, make it efficiently executed on the GPUs, as well as a ton of the other computer science and engineering issues you have to solve. So none of those things are existing in the SDK. So that's the reason all of the guys, they that try, they in some ways they failed because they never dive that way deep as we did. Mm -hmm. There were some attempts like uh, Liquid Sonics tried things, Acoustic Audio tried things, Neil Schneider still has uh, his own um, convolution reverb uploaded on the website, still available. But there are, like, it's clearly what they have. They have a huge additional computing um, latency they add, like the minimum block size is like or additional block size is like 4,000 samples or 8,000 samples just to keep up with low latency processing. Or if you run like five or six instances of those convolution reverbs, then you can have like a blue screen of death <laughs> on Windows and a lot of the other problems. And we know why this is happening. This is not like just, you know, I need to fix this bug. It's just a bug. Mm. You cannot make those problems disappear unless you go really to the level, as I mentioned, to the assembly language level and solve some computer science issues. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, please go ahead. Well, yeah, I was I was going to mention, um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Sasha said. Um, a lot of these technical problems actually translate into business or industry problems too, right? That the industry has. So it's not just a matter of you know, okay, it was too hard, or maybe you know the the low level solutions weren't there. You know, with without a a standardized sort of base baseline level of like let's call it like a baseline playing field, you know, for developers, it's very hard for companies to actually form a business case about why they should use this hardware. Um, when you know maybe it's only going to work on one computer and it's not going to work on somebody else's computer with a different GPU model with different drivers, right? So, so a big a big aspect of what GPU audio is achieving here and and accomplishing is, you know, we've been we've been creating it not just as a solution for like a particular product, but as a standard that everybody can use. So when it comes to that, you know, then it's going to unlock new business cases. And, um, you know, I can also say that, you know, with, with the advent of like spatial audio technology, virtual reality, machine learning, AI, the need for more accelerated compute is extremely, just to use Sasha's words from earlier, orders of magnitude higher, right? Like we need more compute and we need it right now. So I think the timing, um, of this solution also really lines up with sort of answering your question as to why GPUs haven't been used in the past. Um, you know, because I think the perception was in the past that, you know, we can, we can get around it. We can use CPU, we can use dedicated shark chips and those types of things. But, you know, um, those, those, those old solutions are quickly going, um, you know, going off to the wayside and we need more integrated solutions, which is what we're really working on here. Okay, cool. And uh, was this uh, the appeal, so the potential that you saw in GPUs for the application that you mentioned that uh, that drove you, Jonathan, to, to GPU audio and made you want to collaborate with them? <laughs> was it something else as well? Well, first of all, everyone's just so good looking and awesome and have great personalities. So, of course, I got to work with them. But no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um yeah, it's it's an interesting story on my part. I mean, I you know I'm familiar with a lot of different really great audio companies working. You know, bringing people together. One of my specialties in life was always finding great companies and having them come together to form interesting new products and, and partnerships. And um, one of the companies I was associated with was a very great audiophile headphone company. The CEO um, famously told me on a phone call when I I called him one day. I had this bright idea to use GPUs for audio processing. You know, and um, I called him up knew that he had been working in the GPU industry for something like 15 or 20 years before he started the headphone company. And he told me, this is not possible. Like you can't, you you can't do this in a way that's going to be achievable. Um, so I always had it in the back of my mind that, you know, for the types of tools that I personally wanted to build, you know, GPU compute would be the solution. So maybe it was the algorithm, maybe it was Siri, you know, or Alexa that uh, drove me over to their profile on LinkedIn through some sort of algorithm or something. But you know, within a few months of having that conversation uh, with my other friend, I, I discovered what GPU Audio was doing, and um, they they proved it to me. They showed me the proof case, and it was very ir- irrefutable what they had been doing. And um, you know, I knew I knew it was something special. And and the more people I shared it with, you know, it, it became really clear. A lot of other companies I shared it with in the industry at the time, um, they were all so many. It was like probably seventy five percent of the companies I talked to at the time said we've been trying to do something like this or we are investigating this or this is a solution that we would like to use if it was available. Um, so that that's really something that um, I was able to bring back to the guys um, when I came on was, you know, this sort of vote of confidence that the market is ready for this and not just the market in terms of end users, but, um, you know, developers who actually want 
you know, they want to take advantage of this. I mean, the re- the rest of the world is run by GPUs, basically, you know. Um, why shouldn't audio be part of that ecosystem? That's that's always been my philosophy. Okay, uh, then I have a question on, you know, what's so special in GPUs uh, that would, you know, improve the world of audio? Why, why were the companies so much interested mm. in the potential of GPUs? Well, naturally, uh, GPUs are made of uh, a ton of the cores, like uh, arithmetic logical units, uh, simple cores that do simple multiplications, uh, sums, and all that kind of stuff operations. Typically, RTX 1490 has 16,000 cores. Uh, some other more advanced chips have more than 18,000 cores uh, per one GPU. Data center grade GPUs, they also have a ton of the cores. Some of the GPUs also have uh, so-called tensor cores, so like machine learning and PU stuff embedded, which is really great for like uh, vectorized operations in linear algebra and tensor equations, which is essential part of the math for the machine learning and stuff. So answering the question like machine learning applications shall be powered with GPUs. Like you can still prototype things in your uh, Torch, TensorFlow, whatever you're doing with Python, you can even translate your Python scripts and um, release it with a C++ and get rid of the all of the Python issues and release a product behind that, like NeuralDSP does it. But the consequences, there will be a lot of lots of consequences. There will be like a CPU will be. A, hit it with 80% CPU usage for one instance of everything turned on quite easily and you cannot use in like large projects and that kind of stuff. So machine learning, spatial audio, omni-channel processing, multi-channel thing, it's like another natural fit. Uh, synthesizers and all the kind of complex, um, big products, devices that needs a lot of computing power it's another easy shot. Um, everything that is connected to convolution or separation, this is also the best fit for GPU. There are ways to optimize convolutions and CPUs can do a lot of convolutions, but uh, our next partner products or like the first partner products that we will release to the market will prove that GPUs are the best device and this these devices can actually provide a, a lot more uh, convenient way to do the audio uh, editing and recording and stuff and there is quite a lot and there is this is also it is also you know uh, like it, it changed the uh, user's daily workflow in a sense uh, that GPUs were idle all of the days all of the years and now there's another device that you actually paid for Mm-hmm. And most of us like gamers or people who work with the video and we just have this amount of power not being leveraged. And all of that thing can be can provide a great use uh, for next generation workflows, you know. So that's that's the reason why we need just to pay attention to what's possible and start to cooperate you know, to cooperate, like bringing some products on your own through the SDK or uh, directly partnering with uh, with our company. Okay, nice. So uh, am I right in thinking that also then as a 
you know, a sound engineer, then you possibly wouldn't need such a strong CPU then because you can offload some of the work to the GPU as well. Yeah, I think, well, so th so I'll, I'll give my kind of version of the answer to that, and then I'm sure Sasha has a more um, technical one. But, you know, I, I just had this conversation recently with a, with a YouTuber um, partner of ours who is going to be building um, a custom computer uh, so that he could run things. And he was asking, mm -hmm. he was like, okay, you know, do I need to go and get this Ryzen multi-threaded, you know, like, you know, 24 core CPU? And once we discussed it, it was it was pretty clear that like so in the past when he would have built a computer, he would have put all his money on the CPU, right? Um, and he would have had a very limited use case. It's like okay, I got this fancy CPU, and half of my or like ninety percent of my audio software doesn't even take advantage of multi-threaded, you know, processing. So you know what's the point of getting that CPU? And it's like, well, why don't you just reallocate that extra twelve hundred dollars to a really high-end GPU, and now you've got. A, a video workstation powerhouse and you can also run all these plugins when when things get rolling out so so in, in his case the practical use case was reallocating you know from cpu to gpu and now having a system that could actually achieve even more within the same budget that he was going to spend anyways you know what i'm saying so i think that falls into the category of like you know most users um you know, when I go out and buy a universal audio piece of hardware, you know, it's it's not going to play my it's not going to play cyberpunk at the same time, right? So, you know, I think it's it's also just nice. To <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. You know, like yeah, a lot of the guys in our Discord channel are talking about this. Like, yeah, I'm so excited. I can I can uh, use this for gaming too. And as the plugins keep coming out, I just know that I'm going to have more compute and. Um, but you know, it's also yeah yeah. Anyway, that's my version of the answer for. For that yeah i would only add um, one like one or two more cents to it is that if we have a look at the hardware market now it's more mobile and we can have these statistics uh and steam and these like you know standard distribution it almost the same for gamers for creators including audio creators and uh people goes uh people go mobile okay and today, for 900 bucks, you can uh, purchase a laptop with RTX 3060. Probably you can get like 12 cores CPU or maybe even more than that. But just paying $1,000, $2,000 and having a very powerful device unlocked within the same chassis is very nice. The same goes for like M1, M2 mm -hmm. um, uh, laptops as well. So I think it's just very nice to have your entire power working for whatever you need. Okay, cool. And would this also apply to smartphones then? Because smartphones are also GPU powered nowadays. Yeah, not yet. Because uh, uh, smartphone GPUs are way different uh, compared even with the uh, like iPad. iPad M silicon is the same as for like uh, M silicon MacBook Air M2 that I'm currently using. But when it comes to mobile, it's different because they have very few cores, you know, like just tens of cores. And despite they are running at a pretty high frequency, they have very low cache and it, it's hard to hmm. implement the same workflows and all that kind of stuff. For example, it is hard to load uh, like IRs there, etc. So we didn't we didn't go to the mobile world because 
we first need to see that the real use cases are there. Okay, like specifically on the uh, phone devices. On the iPad, well, <laughs> we didn't release this yet, but for us, it's not a big deal to release uh, uh, for M-Silicon uh, GPUs, uh, for iOS, for right. Antract or some kind of the plugins. It's not a big deal, yeah. Okay, really cool. So if you don't mind, I would really be curious to ask, you know, from a technical standpoint, how did you manage to solve these issues with audio running on the GPU? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's an entire uh, conference called uh, GTC, um, GPU Developers Conference, GDC uh, of NVIDIA, and we are a proud part of that. And uh, at spring 2022nd, we revealed basically that overview on how the technology works. So you can find GPU audio, NVIDIA, GTC 22, and find the video. It's half uh, half an hour presentation, very deep, straight to the detail into some implementations. And uh, at the ADC, we even revealed our algorithm designs, specific designs, uh, how we solve some issues with the algorithms such as uh, infinite impulse response filter uh, in order to be fit to the GPU architecture and executed uh, efficiently. Because this is not just the question who is faster, CPU or GPU. You can run the same algorithm with the same like, uh, you know, execution latency on CPU and GPU, but for the same amount of time. This is all about how it can be scaled and for which purpose, okay? So this is what we typically pitch to the audience, like guys, GPUs are not just, they're more powerful in a sense, you can run a lot of things, or you can use things at scale. So if you are building the next generation type of the product and you need to process like hundreds of channels of convolution, you do uh, like spatial audio, multi-channel convolution reverb for whatever the reason, this is the best device you need to, uh, to use. So we solve the challenges, shortly speaking, we solve the challenges uh, in two ways. The one way is we wrote sort of virtual machine, you can call it, uh, but we call it scheduler, a specific technology that basically gathers all of the data from the CPU, from the RAM, uh, trees GPU with data and run whatever amount of the DSP components you want to run as part of your product. So for example, you can run hundreds of uh, different types of products together built of different uh, types of components settled with different types of uh, parameters. Let me name a few, like you can run phasers with distortions, with convolution reverbs made of a ton of the, like in the entire variety of those components, you can run them together within one millisecond latency. So basically what Scheduler does, it just manages how many resources needs to be uh, allocated and used for each uh, type of the component because DSP components can be uh, lightweight, such as delay line, such as IR filter, they are pretty light. And some of them can be pretty heavy when it comes to computing, uh, uh, for example, convolution reverb, right? So scheduler makes sure that uh, all of those components treated with the parameters on time 
do all of the computing on time and return uh, data back on time. So this is one component. The second uh, component of the solution or technology is the design itself, the uh, representation of the entire variety of DSP algorithms that can be effectively implemented and executed on the GPU. So if you have an IR filter, which has a feedback, which can be paralyzed, you have to find the new better design that provides you the same output to input ratio and the same transfer function, speaking DSP wise, uh, that can be actually suited on the GPU well. And it goes for any other types of typical DSP algorithm. And we've found all of those designs, by the way, there is a lot of research is done for two-dimensional, three-dimensional spaces. There are researches done for one-dimensional space. You just need like, you know, to Google it. And we got the entire like set of designs and we ported this and we added like a third leg, which is like the unified plot platform thing that allows you to produce components and products on the top of that thing and ma makes things running together, that kind of. So it's, it's a really complex thing, but this is what we are doing. And for the third parties and companies, this will look way nicer than I explained. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me maybe summarize if I understand correctly. So one thing is the scheduler that kind of yeah. you know gets gets the workloads from the CPU and then you know offloads it to the GPU. That's yeah. one part. The second part is the, as I understand it, kind of ready-made designs for you know yeah. to ease the work of developers so that they don't yeah. need to think, okay, how now I approach this to to process this on the GPU, but you know you have these mm -hmm. ready-made blocks and you can use them right away. And the third mm -hmm. thing is, as I understood it, is kind of like a, a platform abstraction so that yeah. you can uh, run your solution on a variety of GPUs. Is that right? Yeah, and variety of GPUs and a variety of bridges or integration part, whatever it is, like VST3 audio unit interfaces. Or if you want to embed it in Unreal Engine, you provide your way to basically integrate GPU audio as DLL library and run all of the threads, all of the streams on the GPU with all of the algorithms, whatever you want to run on the GPU. Yeah. Okay. So. Now let's imagine that I'm a traditional CPU-focused programmer of audio plugins, right? And now you guys come to me and say that you have this incredible solution that I can, you know, parallelize work, I can mm -hmm. have one millisecond delay, etc., etc., and it scales incredibly well, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And now, what do I have to do? What do I have to learn? How do I need to shift my thinking and my programming to be able mm -hmm. to use your solution, your SDK? Okay. Okay, so that's quite easy thing. Uh, we wanted, from the very beginning, we wanted to hide things from you, very complex things from you. We don't want you to go and dive deep into the GPU programming because this is another world. It is way more complex because parallel programming is like another discipline that being taught in the university. It's it's a hard thing. There is a lot of patterns, coding patterns, designs you need to learn. Uh, there is a lot of issues that can arise when you uh, need to debug multi-thread application, that kind of stuff. We want to take these things from you. 
So what we offer, we offer you first of all a library which has one component like host side or CPU side, which basically allows you to just run some external process or a thread. Uh, and we offer you the very simple uh, API uh, that allows you just to load your GPU models or our GPU models that you then use and combine in some sort of the product you want to build. And just ba to basically manage the device and the instance of this GPU audio application. And there is another thing that allow you to, to basically call the device side, uh, device side part of your solution, like uh, the exact processor speaking VST3 API wise or like audio unit wise. And basically you can write your code from scratch if you want. You can down, go down to this uh, uh, GPU programming world and you can paralyze threads and all that kind of things. But for you, we also offer the DSP primitives library. So if you want to call the F of T, here is the F of T, you just pass the array there, okay? So you don't need to know what's there because uh, as long as uh, the FFT IE764 standard compliant, you don't need to pay attention to what's, what's inside, okay? It's just the FFT, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and typical parameters for each calls like FFT like with and the other stuff like the domain, um, that you might use in your filter on the top and so, or somewhere, etc. So um, this is more or less straightforward. You don't need to call GPU parts, but you can still do if you if you want to go down. We also offer some API if you need to do some non-typical things, uh, like for the world of GPU, non-typical things like uh, transfer some data real time, but we call it fed data. Uh, imagine like spectrum, sending spectrum from GPU, it is a hard challenge actually, because you need to uh, organize the low latent data transfers, but not for the audio, which is tiny things, but for the spectrum, which can be like pretty decent amount of data. And you need to figure out how to do it, I don't know, like 60 frames per second. That's the reason I say this is challenge thing, right? Or if you want to load some things and precache on the GPU, like filter banks, like IRs, or you want to do some tricky things like read your collection of IRs to apply in your product, that kind of stuff. We also offer some APIs for that thing. Um, one more thing, if you want to build machine learning thing, it will be way more different. I can tell you, how we can do this by now, but what I can tell is that we are working on the inference engine and it will be straightforward for Python developers, you know, just to uh, write the Python script, then to export the library to the C++ release state and to basically translate one code to another and just use it for low latency processing. This is type of the uh, development pain we want to um, to also take from all of the machine learning developers. We believe this inference engine can, with the time, it can boost the entire industry. But this is like another story. This is, by the way, this is the very first time I'm basically mentioning this uh, in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Jonathan, you wanted to add something to this? No, that was great. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really uh, yeah amazing and much needed, I would say. Uh, and 
the way I understand it, it's it's uh, tries to do the same thing as was shown by the uh, Cosmo company. But what they mm. uh, are doing, they they're taking the model and actually they yeah. they're running running the the Python on the back end. And uh, yeah. as I imagine, there's um, a much larger latency going on there. Yeah. Whereas in you, you really kind of uh, semi or, or mostly automatically will translate that to the C++ code. And yeah, that will get yeah. you all the benefits of, you know, C++ compilation and, and processing. Yeah. But I also understand that you, you don't have it right now because it needs to be one step at a time. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's good that, you, that you're going in this, in this direction as well. But, but what you said already is, is uh, amazing. Uh, I wanted to, to ask... Uh, by like, the way, sorry yeah. for interrupting. Uh -huh. Just sorry. because you mentioned Cosma, we are building mm -hmm. the partnership with Cosma. Yep. So, uh, so hello, Andrew awesome. Five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to make this, and yeah, yeah, we are going to make this. We basically want to test our inference engine with their system. We want to reuse it if we can have an agreement between the companies because we believe this is like the next level thing like you can do definitely imagine imagine now you have like um, native instruments contact like sample player with the libraries all that kind of stuff what if you'll bring something but machine learning based yeah, I would yeah it will be like another world we'll be living in yeah i was just yeah i was just discussing this with um with nvidia the other day too and um yeah it's an exciting it's an exciting path you know I think, I think, I think a lot of I think a lot of developers are going to wake up to um, AI, you know, based compute and stuff like that. I mean, we we all know we've all been following all the the Chat GPT stuff and you know all the generative sound you know issues and stuff like that. Yeah. I think people are just starting to wake up though um, now that solutions are being built that'll make it easier and more approachable, faster, right? Like faster on the execution side. So yeah, hopefully if we can if we can fill that notch, you know on the belt of what the industry is trying to achieve, then um, it'll help push things forward much faster for everybody. Yep. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So now you convinced me, you got me excited for the GPU audio. I want to, I want to build a plugin that uses the power of the mm -hmm. GPU. I want to mm -hmm. use GPU audio solution. What do I need okay. to do to get my hands on the SDK? Okay. Yeah. So, uh this question was asked like many times and we promised to deliver SDK many times. The reason we didn't deliver this because we we know how it it is shitty implemented to this date in a sense like we want to guarantee you guys like uh, very standard behavior because even for CUDA SDK or things running on the MD, there is like a, a very popular joke in the GPU world when you work with SDKs, you see like one behavior, real behavior, another behavior mentioned in the document, uh, like in docs, in the guidelines, and like the expected behavior. And all those things are different, <laughs> you know? And this is what we are dealing with. We dealing with this stuff. And we basically want to build something that you you as a developer can be treated well and you you code things and you know how it works and you don't want to go any, any anywhere down to fix uh, issues and that kind of stuff. So that's the reason we didn't, one of the reasons we didn't publish SDK. Another reason is that 
we are not Steinberg in a sense. We don't want to upload the SDK and generate a Doxygen thing and just say like, yeah, here it is. You can use it. Like no, no one, no one clearly can use the Steinberg VST3 API like straight away. That's straightforward. That's the reason Juicy exists, right? Uh, and uh, we want to basically create a portal for developers. And we believe the best case is to make something very similar to the Unreal Engine. I just personally am a huge fan of it. The way they treat their uh, developers' communities, the way I want to treat our developers and partners. So that's the reason I don't want to produce, you know, a shitty product. Uh, I want to make, not like perfect, but at least works works normally like reverse standard in the standard way so this is one thing second thing is we typically offer even like to in the developers we offer to work um uh, directly to partner directly uh, directly because um there are many many ideas okay that we can all think about and we can implement and Sometimes it's it's hard to bring the idea to the real world because of the lot of engineering issues as well as like sometimes bringing the ideas to the product it takes like an entire company to, to build it. Okay, and um, uh, we typically offer to, like look we have like seven partnerships signed already. And there are companies that you know pretty well, and there are more companies coming to us and asking to do some work with them together. What we usually offer, we say, okay, guys, if you need to speed up your existing product, please let us know where we can actually integrate. It's our DLL library, and we will just implement the processor on the top of our GPU audio engine library, and this will work for you. So this is one type of the collaboration. There are companies uh, that um, are willing to build truly next generation products. So for example, just today we had the entire pre-finalized agreement conversation about what we're building together. This is another thing that will use hundreds and hundreds of uh, convolution uh, convolutions um, running at real time thing and I can, I can I can cannot say you what we are going to do but there is no other thing or similar thing that uh, even exists before and we typically say that okay guys if you want to bring the next gen product we can also split the roles you can bring the GUI we can run your GUI in our Chromium engine. We typically embed Chromium engine in in the plugins, so you can run any web GUI or web-based solution uh, inside the plugin. And we can run the processing thing, and we can write the processing thing uh, for you, and you can keep the IP. It will be IP of yours. And we can then, uh, like, I don't know, get some licenses, uh, license fees from you or just uh, split the share, uh, split or share the revenue. So this is the best way we want to work with people at this early stage. But at some point in the future, the number one way to cooperate will be through the SDK. But we are not just there yet. Okay, yeah, I perfectly understand. And there is there are really 
few things that I hate more than some features of an SDK going deprecated. Yeah. So uh, I uh, <laughs> I understand that you're aiming for a good, yes. stable, well-documented, yes. easy-to-use API. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but but so so far um, you are you see that when people when when companies use your solution you really they they really need this personal contact with you to like yeah. settle all the all the details and I, I completely understand it but from this experience I I guess you know uh, a stable API will rise and you'll see what's actually needed for the for the SDK and you'll be able to provide it. Yeah, exactly. We just made the first trials with these conferences like ADC. We organized uh, seminars, webinars, workshops, and we saw people's reaction. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not... I didn't realize that uh, many, many talented developers, they are not that way deep into either DSP or either in like C++ programming world. So I realized like, oh my God, I, I need to treat all of them, but like the variety of developers, including like PhDs, students, researchers, all these guys really well. So how can I actually do this? Well, I need to unify the API. I need to keep it as short as possible. I need to keep it simple. If they want to bring something new, I need to provide like guidelines to, to do so. So that's why, uh, you know, we didn't release the SDK despite we promised so. Because we saw people were a little bit confused even with this portion uh, we gave uh, them during the workshop. So that's that's actually... Uh, the number one reason. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, uh, the, your customer support will be, you know, o- overflown with with requests or questions done this and that. Yeah. And it's and it's not just the SDK, right? But for Juice, you have the tutorials, for example. Yeah. And if I, I imagine for GPU Audio SDK, you would also then need uh, simple tutorials. And as you said, there are people coming from different backgrounds which have different requirements etc so yeah that's really a complex a complex thing so yeah good good luck on this and uh, thanks yeah I'm, i also on the i'm pretty yeah? i'm pretty sure at some point you'll see a head of education at gpu audio you know for that <laughs> reason once we get through another round yeah 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 no, i understand i understand uh i wanted to ask you because you said that uh, the latency in the gpus like in the communication with the GPU was an issue. And I also, mm-hmm. from what I understand from your presentation at ADC, is also that communicating with the GPU is, is like real, real challenge. So I wanted oh, to yeah. ask like, how as a developer, can I be sure that when I'm using uh, your solution for the GPUs, my audio won't glitch? Uh, mm-hmm. is, it, is it a guarantee that you can somehow provide yeah, well, basically, uh, we provide both uh, synchronous and asynchronous ways to communicate with GPU. So you define the way you want to to work with GPU and the way you want to work with uh, the output. Okay, we also uh, we also hide things from you, like we don't allow our third party developers to manage streams because it will be a total mess. We as a part of the scheduler, the host size scheduler, or the scheduler that works with the CPU world, uh, we implemented a copy manager component that basically knows what's going on on both GPU, CPU world, and 
it realizes uh, how many of the client requests I've done to the GPUs and how many data transfers and like launch calls uh, being executed in this particular uh, buffer or time frame or sequence of calls for the particular uh, client. And this uh, copy manager basically managed uh, all of the priorities. So it's done very, very, in a very nice way. It works very smoothly and it's done implicitly. And that's the reason we are not typically allowing to touch anything like streams. We just provide you a way to communicate. And we guarantee the latency will be as as minimal as possible and we will ship you things uh, as fast as possible. So by the way, you can run like hundreds of requests, like typical requests from other CPU threads within like hundreds of microseconds. It is not like darn fast, but for the for any type of your solution, this is enough. Like you can do whatever you want. You can implement entire bundle of effects that work together on GPU side and you do the whole, I don't know, like recording and processing on the fly on the GPU with your bundle of um, instruments and inserts. You can do like synthesizer thing. You can embed like a MIDI interface. You can treat just uh, with the media nodes with all of the uh, pr media parameters uh, to the GPU and just do the processing part inside of it and you can do a lot of things there so that's why we want to you know provide the very tiny form of communicating with the gpus to you we are both sure that you you know don't shoot your leg and our legs too okay so it's not just uh, you know i want to do this thing okay so let's put it on the gpu to get the result okay and then i want to do the next thing and then again communicate with the gpu but rather define the whole system and uh, yeah. as much as you can and then you know do the whole thing on the gpu to minimize the communication okay yeah awesome. what's more important you can define multiple independent systems or dependent systems and the scheduler will run it all and it will know that you're basically running all of those libraries you built on the top of the GPO engine. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, I want to now go back a little bit to, to what you said at the beginning that, you know, programmers really struggled with uh, all this uh, GPU programming stuff, especially when it comes to audio. You said that it's uh, pr parallel programming is something you learn in the university. It's quite difficult. So I wanted to, to ask uh, for people listening which uh, resources have you uh, used or, or your developers used and you would recommend to for others who are interested in this kind of low-level programming? So not oh. only in, in your solution, but, but, you know, only, but, but also in this low-level stuff. And mm -hmm. it involves, yeah, real-time programming, parallel programming, GPU mm -hmm. programming. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it something that, that comes to your mind that you could recommend? Yeah, so... Mm. First of all, we have most of our engineers alumni of technical university grads in Austria. So I basically recommend the Cathedra of uh, Markus Steinberger. He is a teaching professor. You can go to Markus and learn all of those things. By the way, uh, like I can speak that easily that Markus done research uh, researches on 
scheduling things, but not the exact scheduler that we built. Uh, basically, his first big research was dedicated to um, what was that like rendering engine, like how to basically uh, render things in the for the three D worlds faster. And uh, he basically scheduled all of the commands operations on the GPU and. Uh, he compared with other render engines and he basically accelerated things and his students did the same researches. Uh, so uh, that technical university grads, you can just find him there. You can find the publications and read through them and you can find some primitive things that we are using inside the scheduler. But our scheduler is like extremely complex thing and it, it has very very deep uh, knowledge used in order to, you know, to orchestrate all of that stuff. So, for example, like uh, GPUs, like one multiprocessor streaming processor, it uses like minimum portion of uh, 32 arithmetical logical uh, units, of course, to run, I don't know, like whatever the DSP components you want to run. What if you need to go down to four threads? Uh, at the same time. There is no uh, direct way you can do this with a CUDA SDK OpenCL. They simply don't offer this, but you can do this on the low level. Um, also, yeah, I can recommend like ACM conference papers, the Eurographics papers, research papers de dedicated to the high performance uh, computing on the GPUs. And there's a lot of things happening there, still happening there. And basically we have our PhD people who won the conferences, like best paper awards. The, uh, these guys are uh, engineers. They're extremely, uh, extremely smart. Like I, I, I'm, I'm the uh, like, I don't know, like a dumb person comparing with them. They're extremely smart. Yeah. And you know, the, the whole, the whole technology, it's extremely complex. Like um, you cannot understand it easily because there are lots of solutions to specific computer science issues as well as engineering problems like like problems that occur you never expect but you have to solve it and you have to find some practical way nice way to do it like like this copy manager because drivers for example drivers they are mm, for Windows especially, they are written in some way you don't know how, but you have to find the best way to execute as many uh, um, streams as you need with uh, as many data batched together within tiny latency windows. This is crazy thing. And it was absolutely custom design. Like, it was hard to bring. The same goes for... Um, mathematical designs of the DSP components. So like this IR filter and its design, it's, it's not a secret anymore. It's just like um, state space filters design we use there. Um, it's like, it's not exactly the IR filter, but we just used the design to provide the same functionality, the same transfer function to provide the same output to input ratio and that kind of stuff. And just you know to emulate things rather than uh, rather than implement them directly. The reason why we did it so, uh, despite that the direct form, the classic form of the IR filter is more performant on the CPU, like a little bit more, is that this thing can actually be scaled and running at scale on the GPU. And 
all of those papers in Eurographics and the other um, conference, especially ACM, uh, IE, uh, they all been a great source of the designs we reused uh, in our platform. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And I'll try to link to these resources on also the conferences that, that you mentioned and your talks on the conferences in the episode notes. And uh, yeah, I really don't don't want to imagine how much work needed to go into this. So <laughs> please <yeah>. don't, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> so that's 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 really really amazing, and I I now understand more why uh, other people yeah. failed <laughs> yeah. before you. So, yeah, they um, just failed yeah. in some way. I would say they didn't they didn't dig in that way deep. Because they realized they they were smart people, I believe. They realized there's just a ton of things they cannot actually control because they don't know they can have just implicit control on things like like we do in the Windows. Please don't ask me what we are doing in Windows to make this shit work. Like it's it's crazy. It's like uh, totally crazy. But we still do it because there is no other way to bring the tech, and we didn't know that it's impossible. So that's the reason why we did it. Yeah, that's that's. I think it's it's a good argument for it. So yeah. <laughs> um, I have I have a question. Then, if I was if I was a customer, and uh, I wanted to contact you, do you have like uh, if I'm if I may ask, of course, do you have like a specific pricing strategy, or is it always custom depending on the client? Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the client. You know. Um, so we have we have a, a number of ways of working. So we have some companies that are rather large that they don't know that they want to move to productization right away. And what they want to do is they want to test out some specific al- algorithms or maybe some machine learning models, um, you know, figure out what they want to do with it first, sit on it for a few months and then come back to us if they want to use it. In that kind of a sense, we would probably just be working with an NRE, non-recurring engineering fee. Um, you know, of just, you know, basically scoping out the work through a budget and then, you know, achieving whatever results they wanted. Um, you know, most times those kind of things will turn into a revenue share agreement. Um, so yeah, if a company came to us and they said, here's the product, here's what we're going to sell it for, um, or even just like a general price range, here's the amount of implementation that it's going to take. Um, you know, it's just a percentage, you know, like and not not a huge percentage or anything like that. You know, it's it's within a reasonable range of like industry standards. Um, on the licensing side, you know, when when the SDK finally does come out, um, you know, in earnest, where people can work a little bit more independently, that will have a different scheme, probably really similar to the way Unity uh, or Unreal works. You know, where companies up to a certain amount of revenue per year won't have to pay. Um, companies over a certain amount of revenue will be, you know, auditing. That's that's like such a naughty word, auditing. You know, but you know, we'll be we'll be requesting a revenue share, um, you know, or a, a royalty based on, you know, what the what the revenue generated is exactly. But yeah, if, we'll be, if they want to talk in the meantime, I mean, they can they can always reach out too. We're we're very open minded about who we talk to, and I take every single call. And then a very small percentage of those, you know, make it into the pipeline for, you know, for 2023, uh, where we where we bring things forward. So, yeah. We believe this is a very fair approach. Like, we don't charge a ton of the money. Yeah. Uh, there are huge companies like 
tens and hundreds, I would say, millions of dollars generating, revenue generating companies that we are working with. There are even startups or like young companies, but very promising in the way they grow, in the way they release, uh, like uh, create and release their products, like very innovative one. We also work with them. There are like classic companies like you know, very niche companies that has really good brand, powerful brands, and they just need like, you know, a few pieces to be happy and to make their audience happy. We work with them too. And when I say all of these examples, this is exact companies that sign paperwork with us, okay? So this is real thing. Uh, for some of the companies that still on the stage like, discovering things as Jonathan says we have this NRE approach but mostly we are open in the way let us do things for you this will be your IP we will monetize it it will be like either a license fee either revenue share and we typically not taking a huge piece nothing like 80 yeah. percent of revenue share nothing like this but very fair thing so it makes like a lot of sense for both of us if you are planning to release something innovative something really cool that was not uh, represented on the market yet and you believe in this product concept you definitely um, uh, can work with us and we can bring something for you and uh, for the audience Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Uh, you wanted to add something, Jonathan? No, no. <laughs> okay. So I, I wanted to ask: uh, Can you name specific products that already use your technology and are on the market? Mm -hmm. Well, we have only our plugins uh, publicly available today. Uh, so this is Sapphire Convolution Reverb. This is uh, Modulation Bundle, of course, Phaser Flanger. Uh, there is entire roadmap we made publicly available, so you can just type gpu.audio slash products and check what's going on there. There will be more cool stuff we will be releasing uh, under our brand umbrella. Uh, there is one partnership that, um, that agreed to basically uh, tell about them freely, which is Mach 1 collaboration and I'll let uh, Jonathan to tell a little bit more about that. The rest uh, at this stage we cannot talk about, but what I could say is that out of those seven partnerships signed, plus like two or three more coming, something like that, about a half or even more than a half, they are connected with the spatial audio or immersive experience thing. And it's a very natural thing. You need to run like uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, channels and or you need to, um, to run like thousands of convolutions real time. This is something CPUs can do. You can do a lot of, um, a lot of products and a lot of new ways uh, to how the audio can be actually processed, edited and so on. So these are like, half of the companies we have working together on these products. Uh, Cosmo thing, for example, we can freely talk about it. This is one of the two of the product thing we are discovering with the partners 
uh, in the machine learning field, in the AI field. Uh, there's another huge company that we are working with very closely. I cannot speak about it yet, but yeah, things are moving forward. This is this was just you know half a year, half of the previous year we went public, and um, uh, this is like the very first year of uh, partner releases. You will see them very soon. I think like by summer you will see the first uh, partner product working right and perfect for a a number of these partners we um are preparing marketing (laughs) activities which is something we really like to do with everybody is share our audience uh with them so you're going to see press releases starting maybe even the end of january uh moving through at least march i think we'll have three or four uh press releases that are that are coming out so so that'll that'll be exciting to to share that stuff with the world Jonathan, can you share a little bit more about Mahuan collaboration, what we're actually bringing? Yeah, sure. With this partnership. Yeah. yeah so Mach, Mach One Technologies is a really interesting company. Um, they're they're a leader in how, how what's the best like marketing language for it? like like flexible use SDK. You know what I mean for spatial audio impl- implementation. So they have they have plugins that you can drop into your uh, you know your session. And they use a vector-based, you know, 3D audio panning uh, method that's a little bit different than traditional ambisonics. It's different than Dolby Atmos. It's just kind of its own thing. And they have a proprietary format called the Mach 1 format, right, which is sort of like a um, like a lossless, you know, um, uh, master format that everything could be sort of dumbed down into and packaged so that it can be easily deployed across multiple different platforms, right? So... The idea here is that, you know, within the spatial audio community, there's been a lot of issues for for a very long time um, with formats needing to be changed and muxed separately, you know, depending on what uh, type of project you're going to put out into the world. So Mach 1 has alleviated this by creating this, this unique, you know, proprietary format that can be played back, you know, with their components in any type of app. So like the same file format can be played back in a DAW. Versus it could be played back on the web or it could be played back on a mobile app, et cetera, in a VR film, Oculus, all that kind of stuff. So what they want to do is they want to try to expand further the way that people can actually use spatial mixing tools um, by creating a standalone, um, you know, spatial audio mixing application that will link into different DAWs, essentially. So they're creating a situation where um, you'll be able to process you know, loads more channels than you could traditionally use using like, um, you know, one of the tools that I've, I've liked to use that I, I'm no critic of it. I, I love it. Uh, Dear Reality, you know, Dear VR Pro. Great tools. You load them on the plugins and, you know, once you get 12 or 15 different instances, uh, your CPU is really tapping out, right? So, and that's because it's processing, you know, it's encoding into Ambisonics and then decoding to whatever your speaker format is on the, on the way out. But we realize that if we can offload a lot of that to the GPU, um, you can process, you know, 10, 20 times the amount of tracks um, with without running into those issues, right? So uh, the cool thing about it is it's going to be an expandable platform. So again, it's a standalone application. It'll be expandable in the sense that <clears throat> we can bring other features to it as time goes on. So Mach 1 is really special to us in the sense that it's a long-term platform collaboration and not necessarily just like a single tool that we'll be releasing and uh, in in yeah, I think it's I think it's a great match. That's that's all I can share about it for now because I know they're going to have their own press release with more details. So, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, and it sounds really really exciting. 
thank you also a lot for this conversation. At the end, I have one last question to you. If someone of the people listening wanted to contact you, where do you recommend they go? First thing they can do is, uh, well, they can go to the Discord. So first you need to go to gpu.audio, make an account. Um, you just log in with your Google. We really don't email people at all. I think I emailed twice this year. Uh, one of those was just to tell people about ADC. So if you're watching this, you probably got that email, <laughs> you know, if you're on the SDK list. So I would just say go to gpu.audio. Um, we have a number of ways to interact with us. Uh, the contact form will probably take you to our hello email address. So it's just hello at braingens.com. Um, you can also just email me directly, jonathan at braingens.com. It's just J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Um, that's probably the best way. If you're a developer, reach out to me directly and I will put you into the pipeline for conversations. Um, once you make an, an account on the website, make sure to go visit our Discord page. The Discord is mostly users like producers and stuff, but we do have a couple of GPU channels in there for more technical discussions. Sasha is pretty active in those technical channels. Um, I'm more active in the other channels with, with you know, general users. And, um, We actually have like a really cool event going on right now too. Do you think it's is it cool for me to share about it? Yeah, go on, please. Cool. So, um, one of the things that we like to do is you know we're trying to expand you know the vocabulary of the average musician to like understand like what they can do with audio in general, right? It's like you know GPU audio is a low level technology. So we view ourselves as a low-level company, right? Like we're a company at the basis of everything that's trying to bring people together. So we, we've realized that we actually really like to do community events. So we're doing this thing called the IR competition right now. Um, it's sponsored by a bunch of really cool people, uh, Dr. Mix, other guys like that. And what we're doing is we're challenging people to create their own impulse responses. And the reason is not just for fun, um, but it's also because we want to test out user-made impulse responses within our, you know, methods, right? So we thought, okay, how can we how can we basically create a situation where we could potentially get hundreds, maybe thousands of impulse responses to try out and really see, you know, how our algorithms are are are, you know, standing up to it and stuff like that. So what we did is we've created this contest uh, called the IR challenge and uh we're challenging people to create their own creative impulse responses using whatever method they choose uh to create virtual space because um, you know, with, with the number of partner products coming out and uh, just a, a number of different factors, we feel like this is going to be a really relevant conversation to have both in the developer community as well as the producer community. And it's just fun. So, you know, this is this is the kind of the vibe of GP Audio. We're deep tech, um, but we're deep, deep fun, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Work hard, play hard. I think we're one yeah, so- of the companies. <laughs> Yeah, so I can go go and record my own uh, impulse responses and then send them out to you. And uh, what are the what are the criteria for for the winner? So the criteria is it sounds the coolest and is and is voted on. So there's going to be yeah. a voting process. Yeah, and there's lots of prizes. There's like over six thousand dollars in prizes, yeah. including GPUs, uh, laptop stuff like that. So. Laptop. Yeah. And one of, one of the coolest things about this is that we're going to make all of the impulse responses, um, at least the winners, if not like everybody, we're going to put them on a repository for everybody to dive into, right? Because we know that impulse responses are one of those things that, you know, we'll spend hours at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. digging for the right sound of the right room, right? So, you know, we thought, hey, what, what better opportunity to try to activate a community of thousands of people to 
to submit them and then we can all take part and have fun with them. And, you know, everybody can keep their own stuff. We're not trying to sell anything. It's nothing like that. Uh, we'll just make them available to the community. So, yeah, that's it. Yep. G- GPU.audio slash IR competition. I believe that's the IR competition. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, I'll also link to it, to it in the episode notes. And I guess there'll be an additional prize if you manage to break GPU audio software. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. But it's also a, a great way. Oh, I was just thinking it's like the sign with a million dollars of cash in it where if you could break this glass, you can take the cash. Have you, have you seen that? Yeah. Or GPUs. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's also a beautiful way to contribute to the community, and it's, uh, I guess, a, a win-win yeah. for for both sides. So, yeah. thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much Thanks, for yeah. from my side. I think it was very, very educational for everyone because GPU GPU topics, as you well know, are not uh, very popular or common among audio programmers and audio audio developers. Is there anything you would like to share at the end of this talk? Well, follow us. Please sign up. Please follow the news and um, prepare for this year. If you didn't upgrade your GPU system, whatever you have, please buy just like, I don't know, even M1 MacBook Air, they're dirt cheap right now. And once you upgrade, upgrade it, you will get all of the products that are coming. We are working cool. really well. Perfectly, yeah. Thanks, Jan. Thanks again. Thanks for the audience and see you next time. Exactly. Thank you. Thanks a lot from my side. Yeah. Thanks again. And, and yeah, big thanks to the audience for watching. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks a lot and good luck. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone. That was Alexander, Sasha, Talashov and Jonathan Roden from GPU Audio. Thanks a lot, guys, for this awesome talk. And I would kindly like to remind you listening that their impulse response competition, the IR competition, is still open until the 23rd of February 2023. You can check it out under gpu.audio slash IR competition. GPU.audio slash IR competition. I have also linked to it in the episode notes, which of course you can find under dewolfsound.com slash talk. Zero one zero. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can leave a YouTube like and subscribe. You can also let me know there in the comments, or you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave you leave a review there. I really, really appreciate it. As a small reminder, you can get your free audio plugin developer checklist under dewoofsound.com/checklist. Once again, thank you for listening. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Take care.